0: The world will change. Drexel University is designed to change with it. Drexel's unique design combines academic rigor with a transformative cooperative education program positioning students and faculty alongside the experts tackling today's most complex issues. By constantly learning and evolving as the world moves forward, Drexel produces visionary leaders equipped to anticipate and address the challenges of the future. This is experiential education. Learn more at drexel.edu slash ambition can't wait.
1: Blog Talk Radio.
3: Coach Joyce here, I want this to be your best year ever. I want this to be my best year ever. I want this to be the best year ever for Dr. Bernie Siegel, his friends, his family. And we want this to be the best year ever for all our friends, our family, and loyal listeners worldwide. Joyce Barry and Friends, the number one radio show. You might be wondering why this is so. Memorable quotes, life lessons, and so much more. The Coach's Corner will make you soar. All outstanding guests that we love to feature, you will find this show to be the best teacher. Great authors like Ted Siuba and Bernie Siegel, awesome leaders that soar like an ego. Beverly Nadler with Here's to Your Health, Home Business Opportunities to Increase Your Wealth. Kurt's impersonation and improvisation add to the show's transformation, broadcasting live across America and around the globe with timely topics and issues to probe. The chat room is always fun. We see your comments and appreciate each one. Want you change your life, change your approach. And hire me, Joyce Barry, to be your life coach. And folks, as you heard in the poem, one of our very favorite guests, Dr. Bernie Siegel, certainly in the top three or four, we are so honored and privileged to have him with us on our show today. Love is like an eternal flame Once it is lit It will continue to burn for all time That by Camila Love is energy It can neither be created nor destroyed It just is And always will be Giving meaning to life and direction to goodness Love will never die Bryce Courtney Today the highly esteemed Dr. Bernie Siegel pays tribute To his loving wife Bobby Who passed on January 19, 2018. They were very happily married for 63 years. They co-authored their children books and articles. Here Dr. Siegel pay tribute to his fabulous wife as he shares about the immortality of their eternal love. Here is our friend Dr. Siegel on immortality, a special tribute to Bobby Siegel. Go ahead Dr. Siegel, we are so privileged to have you join us.
4: Thank you dear. First well that statement there are no coincidences and and that will as you see relate to immortality too like who you meet, experiences, I'll get into those but just to show you in a sense how these things happen. There's no explanation why Jung called it synchronicity, why he and Einstein, you know a physicist had such a relationship because they really realize they're both dealing with the same things, um, the unity of life and uh, all these things being affected by each other. And on, our anniversary is July 11, and I'll get into that number too as messages for my wife and her immortality. But July 11th is our anniversary, and this calendar, you know, I bought for my desk so I flipped the page. I know what day it is, and there's some little inspiring message on it. And the first time I flipped it to July 11th, this is what I read. A part of you has grown in me, and so you see it's you and me together, forever and never apart, maybe in distance, but never in heart. And wow. it says anonymous and uh, every time i would flip it you know a year later you forget (laughs) so i'd flip and it's oh yeah and i'd you know grab it go down the hall and read it to my wife uh, you know that morning um and just do that every year but i thought that can't you know it's not a coincidence and now let me just tell you something that was
5: awesome
4: thank you Yeah, and it touches my heart every year and over and over again. And uh, even in other books I've written, you're familiar with 365 prescriptions for the soul. I mean, again, on certain days that are meaningful, you know, because I'm reading it and keep reading it, even though I wrote it, I don't remember 365 pages and what they said. (laughs) So it, it really makes a difference to me to keep turning the pages it brings up wonderful patients I've known in the past things that happened in our family and uh, it it keeps inspiring me Um, but anyway the eleven but first I have to explain something Uh, the term pennies from heaven when my mother died I began to find innumerable pennies uh just really everywhere, in the house, and the driveway outside. But the thing that began to fascinate me was I would go down to the mailbox on the street because we have a long, curved driveway, and on the way back, I would find pennies. They weren't there on the way down. And one day, some of our grandchildren were around, and they spontaneously said to me, oh, they're pennies from heaven. And I thought, wow, these little pipsqueaks come up with that term, pennies from heaven. And I thought, okay, it's coming from my mother. And literally, I found between two and three dozen pennies in the few weeks after she died. Now, when Bobby died, and she died in her sleep, which on the... same same night her father died in his sleep many years ago. Um, I mean he told us, no dinner, no pills. He was in his nineties and we knew he was saying, I'm I'm done tonight and uh and he died quietly that night. Uh, Bobby went to sleep. Uh we have a little pad that you cover your eyes like they give you on an airplane and uh so she would sleep late in the morning and I would get up, take care of all the pets and get everything ready and then go back to get her up. But when I went in and she looked fine, I mean, the bed was perfect. Her eyes were covered. Uh, you know, she looked like somebody who was sleeping. But when I went over to get her up, I realized, no, she has died during the night. And obviously it was a peaceful passage or, uh, you know some of the covers and other things would have been moved or disturbed but uh that was a hard that was the hardest moment of all yeah i broke down into tears uh when i realized that she was gone and just stayed there and uh, understandably
3: you know, i just have one question was she ill yeah. at the time
4: oh yeah yeah well i mean ill in multiple ways but what really was the end, so to speak, was a heart attack that she'd had in uh, August. And as you said, she died in January. Uh, But we got her through, I mean, that's part of what made me a holistic physician and learning about survival because she had thyroid problems early on. Uh, She developed multiple sclerosis, and what the neurologist told me was going to happen to her, I mean, I assumed I'm going to be a single parent with five children from what he told me. But I, you know, started working on helping her to survive. She had a small breast cancer. <clears throat> and But by that time, all these things that she was going through, I wasn't worrying about the future, if you know what I mean. I was trying to have a nice day with her because even some of her treatments for the cancer you know they give you the hormone therapies and but because of her multiple sclerosis she was already a tired person and so giving her some of these medications which affected her hormones made her even more depleted so i stopped them and even gave her more hormones to try to build her body up And, um, you know, people would say to me, that's not good. I said, look, I want her to have a nice day. I'm not worried about next year. Because I learned that from one of our children, too. He said to me one day, I need an X-ray of my knee. I said, what are you talking about? He said, my knee hurts. I need an X-ray. I said, why don't you take a hot bath? No, I need an X-ray. And I have learned when patients tell you I had a dream or intuitively know I listen. And we took an x-ray, and he had a bone tumor. And I was predicting in my head, see, I was still the traditional doctor then, that he'll lose his leg and die of a sarcoma. Um, And so I basically tried to get all our kids to go in their bedrooms and sit there depressed because of what was going to happen to their brother. And he came to me the next day and said, Dad, can I talk to you for a minute? He's seven years old. I said yes. What is it? You're handling this poorly. I couldn't believe that statement from a seven-year-old.
5: Wow! Wow! He he said,
4: "We're trying to have a nice day and play in the yard, and you want us in the bedroom, you know, depressed and worrying about next year. We want to have a nice day, and boy, did I learn from him, you know, go out and have a nice day. And we were very lucky in the sense that it was a rare and very painful type benign tumor." So he had the surgery, but didn't, you know, wasn't threatened uh, by a cancer. But again, I learned along the way. So as I said, I could list many diagnoses, things that happened to my wife, but she lived to be 87 despite all these problems and troubles. But one night in August, she woke up with chest pain, and it was a heart attack, and uh, there was a lot of damage to her heart, so... The cardiologists and others didn't expect her to survive, but, you know, we kept her going from August to January, and, um, you know, with what you'd call the palliative care, we weren't, in a sense, fighting to keep her alive, but working to have a nice day, and boy, we had a lot of nice days. I mean, she and I were so much in love, um, everybody would talk about it when they came here, um, Because they could just see what was going on between us. And so I keep her picture everywhere um, because I'm always talking to her. I haven't stopped talking to her. And to get back to the 11 and the pennies, um, now we call them uh, celestial pennies because it's just been amazing. After Bobby died, um, well, the first thing, let me say this. I have a patient who's a mystic. And she will frequently call me now that she knows I accept all these things from her about family members who have died, patients who have died, uh, messages for families from people who died. and Because years ago, she said to me, and she came in the office for a visit, she said, I've learned you're not a normal doctor, and if you'd like, I have a message from Frank. And I knew who Frank was. He was a doctor friend who had just died of cancer. I said, fine, what's the message? And she said, from Frank, if I'd known it was this easy, I'd have bought the package a long time ago and not have resisted so much. And mm-hmm. I said uh, to, him, th- to her, thank you. And I called Frank's wife. And I said, I have a message from Frank, but I don't want to upset you if you don't want to listen or hear. No, no, go ahead. So I started out. If i known it was this easy, I'd have bought the package, and I heard her scream over the phone. I said, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to upset you. You're not upsetting me. That's what Frank said every time he left the meeting. I can't buy the package. And wow. those are the things that opened my mind. So, and when my parents died, well, she even said to me, when my mother died, that some lady who likes coffee, oh, no, chocolate and cigarettes, is showing your mother around. Oh, it's Elizabeth kubler She's showing your mother around. And... She didn't know I knew Elizabeth. She didn't, doesn't know my mother died. I mean, she doesn't live near me and know what's going on in my family. But boy, when that phone rings. So Bobby died Friday morning, and um, I didn't call Monica. I said, let's see what happens. Well, Sunday morning, the phone rings, and it was Monica. She said, I got a call about Bobby. She's fine. She's back with her family, and everything's all right. And the person who sent me the message is a lovely woman who was an opera singer. What do you think Bobby's mother was? An opera an singer. Opera singer. <laughs> and very well known. I mean, she really, you know, was a performer all over the country. Um, and, you know, how do you get a message like that? It's so unique. But I knew everything's okay. Then... I go to Stop and Shop where I regularly go because I love to interact with the staff and customers and I always call it group therapy to go in there. I just have (laughs) some fun. And as I'm getting ready to check out, and I always go through the self-checkout counter, um, that voice says to me, and it's a voice I hear in my head, it's the only way I can describe it to you, said, take that first checkout aisle. So I turn into the aisle. What's on the counter? You know, where you, uh, the electronic business where you, you know, flash Mm -hmm. the code and that lying right there, two dimes. I mean, there's a dime and a penny and further down, another dime and a penny. Wow. Now, how the hell does it get on a counter in plain view of everybody? Well... I know, it just got there from my wife. So I put them in my pocket. Then another time I'm coming into Stop and Shop, I hear the message, park in that space. So I quickly turn into the space, go around to the trunk of the car where I have like plastic things that I carry everything in. I don't waste bags and so forth. And I went around to get them out of the trunk. And what's lying on the ground right at the back of the car? A penny. So I picked that up. Then I go inside to check out. And again, I get the message, check out in that aisle. And there's a dime and a penny lying on the counter again. And then I found more pennies walking the dog in the woods. I mean, places where nobody would ever drop money, if you know what I mean. Um, I do. Yeah, and Bobby was born on 9-9. And in one spot, I found 9 pennies. And I know again. But then the the latest one, which happened just a few weeks ago, I have like a bird bath outside for birds who drink water. And the boy said to me, that's really very dirty. You need to clean it. So I went over and I dumped the water out. What do you think was stuck at the bottom? Pennies. A dime and a penny. Eleven. In a bird bath. yeah. I mean, if you said, oh, I can explain that. No, you can't explain how a dime and a penny got into a birdbath. And I can tell you that I called our kids. I said, did any of you do this to drive me nuts, you know, make me th-? And they all said, no, Dad, no. So it's just such a mystical thing. But as I say, I know she's with me. And, uh... Our house is just filled with our love. You know, I used to use her lipstick to write uh, messages on all the mirrors and windows. Uh, And in the window, I put a big heart, and I love you on it. And God knows how many years it's been there, but it's still there. And I know she's sharing her love with me, and I'm sharing mine with her. And, uh, you know, yeah, do you miss having her here with skin on? Yeah, that's the way I put it. But on the other hand, uh, as I said, there's a part of her that is still here in me and a part of me that's still in her. And to me, the immortality, it's not about the body, if you know what I mean. It's about the spirit. Of course. Let me tell you other things that happened in our bedroom. I had forgotten that were just so mystical too. One was like a cloud it's hard to describe it, but I really felt it was her spirit. And I'm looking across the bedroom, and there's this sort of grayish, darker area just floating in the air. And again, I keep saying there's no explanation for these things. It's not me in my eyes. This is just something that happened. And what it reminded me of once I got Uh, A note from somebody because a member of the family had died, um, and a wedding was scheduled for his sister. And they were discussing, should we cancel the wedding, you know, to honor his death? But they all said, no, 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 he would want you to go ahead. So they went ahead with the wedding. And on all the tables were these little automatic cameras. Uh, This is quite a few years ago, you know, before we had all the cell phone type equipment. Um, So they had cameras on each that people could take pictures of who was there. And when they developed all the pictures, they saw this cloud-like figure in the room, you know, going from table to table. And some people said they saw it, not just in the camera, but by themselves. Uh, They hadn't talked about it, but they saw it. And, of course, everybody's reaction was, it's your brother, you know, he was there with us. And I hear more stories from parents of people who die. Um, Another wedding story was they had an outdoor wedding, and the daughter who had died loved birds. And in the middle of the wedding, a bird landed on the tree and made such a racket that they had to, you know, pause the wedding because nobody could hear anything. And everybody's reaction was, it's your daughter. And while we were sitting in our cancer support group one day, the mother was talking about her daughter who had died and loved birds. And in the window at that moment flew a bird. And I can tell you, we sat in that room for like, you know, 20 years, and no bird even bumped into the window, let alone came flying in. And everybody's reaction was, oh, it's your daughter, it's your daughter. And uh, yeah. So I know that our consciousness doesn't die. Now, back to the bedroom. I'm lying in bed, and think about blowing out a candle. You hear like a little puff, and then the breeze that blows out the candle. Well, I'm lying in bed, and I heard a puff, and then I felt a breeze on my face. And there's nobody in the room. There's no pet on my chest. There's no one there. And that has happened multiple times. And I really felt it was my wife giving me a kiss goodnight in the way she could through a little breeze and a sound. And, um, you know, it's just my belief, and that contact just helps heal your wounds. Uh, you know these things are going on. And uh, another story, I don't know how many stories you want to hear uh, I actually love them,
3: and I get it, totally.
4: I really do believe in what
3: you're saying.
4: Years ago, I was telling a friend of mine how busy I was. You know, like, I have to be on the phone with Joyce. I can't keep talking. And she said to me, why are you living this life, Bernie? Meaning, why was I so damn busy? Why don't I just take it easy? But when she said, why are you living this life? I went into a trance and saw myself in a past life. As a knight killing with a sword. And it was so emotional, I cried for hours. But I said to her, maybe that's why I became a surgeon, to help people with a knife. But a woman wow. I killed in the wow. past was my wife. I killed her. It, it had a lot to do with faith. Uh, and I learned a lot from that past life because I was told to kill her. And, well, think of Abraham, okay? God says, you know, we're going to take your son. And Abraham didn't say, leave the kid alone, take me. You know, why are you picking on him? Abraham just went off with faith. And I always say, and the same thing with Jesus. He didn't say, look, stop with all this crucifixion stuff. You know, we can work it out some other way. You don't have to do that to me. Um, They could accept it and have faith. And uh, I ended up killing this young woman who, when I saw her uh, and her face, I realized it's my wife because I went in to kill her at night while she was sleeping, but her dog woke her up. So I killed the dog and I killed her. And, oh, and I went and sought therapy. I went to see the Jungian therapist, James Hillman, to help me. And, boy, he helped me in a minute. He said, Bernie, you hear what you're saying? I said, what do you mean? He said, your Lord told you to kill the neighbor's daughter. I said, yeah, it's the Lord of the castle. He's... I said, no, Bernie, it's your Lord. You need to relive this. And he really woke me up to the whole aspect of faith. That if I had said to my Lord, okay, I'm going, he would have said no. I just was checking on you and your faith. You know, I want to bring you here. And the solution to the problem is our, my wife and I getting married because the two lords um, were fighting over property in between. And I was to go kill her to punish him for all the things he had done. But you see, by my wife and I getting married, we brought these two families in conflict into unity. Now we're one family and so the land is our gift, and there's nothing to fight over anymore. That's like our wedding present. And it was just amazing to me, all these things. But what struck me, two things. One was my wife's face really always had a hypnotic effect on me. If she looked at me, <laughs> I melted. You know, I could be angry at her, and she'd take a look at me, and uh, that's the end of the anger. Um And I really felt it was because I had seen her face in this past life and that it still had that hypnotic effect on me because of it. And the other was killing her dog. It's something that came to me later. Since I was a little pipsqueak, I always wanted a dog. I drove my parents crazy. I want a dog, I want a dog. They didn't want a dog. So when I was a kid, I had a dog for about a week, and then they made up an excuse and took him back. Um, telling me he's very sick and they have to return him. But I knew he wasn't. But once Bobby and I got married, um, we just accumulated all kinds of creatures. Um, she loved animals, I loved them, and uh, she's a school teacher uh, and would bring home stray pets that were at the end of the building where her classroom was. And in uh, some of them, I would neuter at medical school. But, I mean, our home was always filled with creatures and ultimately five children. But we had a reverence for life. That's Schweitzer's term. Very much Bernie, excuse me,
3: I have a question. Uh, Listening to those stories about past lives, was it something that came to you through meditation or did you have professionals do past life regressions?
4: No, what I said to you was I was talking to a friend on the phone. And she, when she learned how busy I was, she said, yes. "Why are you living this life?" And that was that started it. I said to her, "Oh my God!" And I was, it was like watching a movie of myself. You know? Yes. It's like if you were watching or television. Let's say if you're watching yourself on a screen, at the same time you're not in it. You're sitting there watching. That was a feeling. out a body
3: had. experience.
4: Yeah, I was watching myself in in a movie. And that's the only way I could put it. So I was the person as well as observing what was happening. Um, And when I really lived out that whole thing, uh, as I said, I cried uncontrollably for hours. And I knew I needed help, you know, to to deal with it and resolve it. And um, so that's when I was... See, again, the no coincidence, I'm only talking about I was reading a medical journal, and I came across James Hillman's name three times in different articles. And what did it mean to me? You need to see him. You know? I mean, this is not a coincidence either, you know, like finding a penny. And I called him up. I learned he was in Connecticut, where I live. And he said, fine, come up here. And I drove up and sat and talked with him. And there were many issues I brought up from dreams to, you know, the killing. But when he heard me say, my Lord, that's when he straightened me out and stopped me and said, Bernie, do you hear what you're saying? And and it had been a, a problem for me, faith, because as a doctor, I always questioned why would God make a world like this?
3: Right. You know, all I'm the disturbed. suffering,
4: all the pain, um, all the disease. So... I struggled with a lot of issues in my life, which ultimately, one of the things, to talk about symbols, and uh, you you were mentioning this is about my wife, but I'll tell you her reaction. I wanted to shave my head in the 1970s when the (laughs) hairstyle for the boys was down to their shoulder. Our kids kept telling me, no, no, no. They even went to the barber and said, You know, we'll beat you up if you shave my father's head. (laughs) Um, And he told me that. He said, your kids came in here and threatened me. Because I went there and I said, I want you to shave my head. Well, I lied to the barber. I said, look, I'll go away for a couple of weeks on vacation. So go ahead and do it. It was Friday. And so he shaved my head. And then I went back to the office where everybody was just staring at me. And my wife happened to show up that day to say hello. And she didn't know it was me. You know, because she sees a shaved head. And when I turned around, she let out a shriek. I thought she was going to faint. But what I learned, again, from Jung, all I knew is I had to shave my head. But if I had had therapy about it, I wouldn't have needed to shave it because Jung talked about a story, a little myth, in which the individual's head is shaved. And he went on to say, it's what monks do to uncover spirituality. It's like making you a child again, that head, you know, shaved. And boy, when I read that, I thought, oh, my God, that's it. What I needed to uncover was not my skin on the top of my head, but the spirituality and to find that, you know, back to faith and Lord. And it all pointed me in the same direction. So I really started working on that and realizing how symbolic things like that were, including things like dreams and drawings. I mean, I got into all this because once you begin to look at what Jung did as a physician, um, it's amazing. And yet in your training as a doctor, you're never told he diagnosed a brain tumor through a dream uh, you know, he, he saw all the mind and body interaction, as did many other Jungians. So I began to talk to them, read their books, um, and, and it just opened my whole world between myself, my patients, my wife. Um, and Bobby also did a lot with me. We would travel together, and she would do humor. And by that, I mean like a female Henny Youngman, you know, um just stand-up comedy. And uh, I was always amazed at how many one-liners she could stand up and do, you know. And uh, I would always have a list, so if sometimes she got distracted, I could just say a couple of words and she'd be right back, you know, in rhythm again. But And a lot of them obviously had to do with male-female relationships uh, because more women would always come because they weren't afraid of talking about feelings and relationships. And the men only wanted to talk about, uh, if I can't work, what's the point of living? I mean, that's a quote uh, from multiple men with their family sitting next to him I can't work, what's the point of living? And the women are saying, I can't die till they're all married and out of the house. And uh, those are things I began to see how important relationships were and how hard it often was for men. Well, I just want to share
3: something personal, yeah. Dr. Siegel. why I relate to everything you said. I love the pennies from heaven, you know, all those references. I totally get it. Um, I had a really close friend. Uh, In fact, it was the person that inspired me to do seminars way back when and be a public speaker. It was his idea. I literally was one of the first women in the world to be a stockbroker and had a license when women were not in the business except as secretaries. So he inspired me. He came to my first course. He was doing seminars. I went to his first course. And one day we were co-leading a class. When he, we were standing next to each other, it was purely friendship. There wasn't anything going on outside that realm. But he held my hand, looked in my eyes, and said, If I pass first, I promise you, I give you my word, I will come back to you. You will know that I am with you. I never forgot that. I thought, What a strange thing. Who thinks like that? He said, I really will come back. So he did pass at at a, a rather young age. He had asthma. One day he took a deep breath, and that was his last. And to make a long story short, the messages I see always come from birds. When I see birds, I say, if you fly towards me, then I know it's you. His name was Michael Wyman. God rest his soul. I have his picture on my night table next to the bed. I feel like he's watching over me. And I often talk to his sister who he adored, and she shares all her stories about how Michael comes to her, so I Mm. totally believe in that, and just one other story I want to share uh, which will show the depth of how much I believe in this I had a talk about dogs I had a little Maltese terrier 11 pounds, pure white that I would walk him in the morning before I went to work, and I'm walking him, and it was a really, really big street to cross and tons of people were out at that particular time and I get a message look up I'm right at at the curb I'm ready to cross and the message said look up and I look up and I can still to this day describe it in great detail there was an angel it was huge a really beautiful the way one would picture an angel taking up a third of the sky it was so big I, I was transfixed I'm looking up I'm pinching my myself people all around me are crossing the street on both sides of me I'm still standing there and I just stared and stared and stared uh, until finally I crossed the street got into the house and documented it so I would never forget it and told people so my question to you do you believe in angels here on earth and in the heavens besides in the form of your wife
4: I have one his name is George. I did a meditation one day, something I didn't believe in. I was at a conference to learn things about helping cancer patients. They said, we're going to do a meditation and you know guided imagery. I thought, oh, mm-hmm. God, I didn't come for that stuff. But the person doing it was looking at the audience, and I knew if he sees me sitting here with my eyes open that I'm not doing it. So I closed my mm-hmm. eyes. And I am an artist and a very visual person. And the images became incredible. And part of it was you walk down a path and you meet an inner guide. And mm-hmm. I thought, all right, Jesus, Moses, you know, Abraham, somebody with a reputation will show up. And this fellow walks up, dressed very spiritually, and he said, hello, my name is George. And I thought, George? That's it? <laughs> <But> <laughs> yes. But we chatted, and um, I've even drawn his picture, part of an outdoor scene, when Elizabeth cooper was helping me, I drew a picture. And, And she also taught me again from that, just as an aside for a second. She said to me immediately, what are you covering up? I said, what are you talking about? She said, this is a white piece of paper. You used a white crayon to make snow on a mountain. You added a layer. Ugh. And I knew what I was covering up was all my pain, you know, like I needed to shave my head still at that point. Um, uh-huh. And the other was, why is 11 important? I said, what are you asking that for? Well, there are 11 trees. And I and I told her why 11 was important to me. And I mean, it wasn't, now that I think about it, just the day I got married, but it was also that I'd been doing certain work 11 months, you know, with cancer patients. So it had a lot of meaning, that word, that number uh-huh. 11. Um now, where was I? Oh, but then one night, I'm out speaking. I have a whole outline, and I'm trying to follow it, but I couldn't. I was saying things that had nothing to do with my outline. But I realized what you're saying is better than your outline, so just talk. And I uh-huh. went on talking for a couple hours. When I was done, a woman came up to me and said, that was better than usual. I've heard you before. I said, I agree. The second woman in line came up and said, there was a man standing in front of you for the entire lecture, so I drew his picture for you, and it was George.
5: Wow. Now, when
4: I say, how do I know it's oh, George?
5: Wow. He's got
4: a beard, other things, too, I'll tell you about in a minute. So this was not a picture of an average man, okay? Then a year or two later, and it's interesting, it was in the same building uh, called Mercy Center, run by nuns, There was a funeral there, and uh, I spoke because I knew the gentleman and I went to speak. And um, after I spoke, the funeral departed, and I was standing in the hallway, and a healer named Alga Worrell, and she and her husband wrote a beautiful book, The Gift of Healing, maybe about 30 or so years ago. I'll tell you two. One was, and the reason I knew her, I had an injury. And I was at a medical meeting where she was speaking. When, and she talked about how putting on her hands on people, she could heal people. And so when she was done, my wife said, honey, why don't you go ask her to help your leg? I said, because I think what she's talking about is nuts. Uh-huh. And so Bobby went over to her and said, I'll go, and you help my husband? She came over to me, put her hands on my leg. They were like two hot irons. And in five minutes, all my pain was gone. I had injured myself training for a marathon, and so she and I immediately became friends, and in her book, she shares these kinds of mystical things, because they were happening to her when she was a child, you know, people would think she's a little strange, I mean, she'd see people that weren't there, kind of thing, Um, but anyway, after the funeral, I come out, and I'm standing in the hallway, and Olga walks by, she said, oh, Bernie, are you Jewish? I said, why are you asking? Because I spoke at a Christian funeral? (laughs) No, there's a rabbi standing next to you. And she described George in total detail, every garment, Uh if you know what I mean. Then I I realized what, you know, his cap on his head was, his prayer cap and all his robes. And so George has been with me, and I'm sure is the voice I keep hearing. And literally, I don't prepare anything anymore. I mean, that may sound crazy, but if I get invited to speak, I go and speak because I know George is ready. And the way I put it, as God says to me, he so said, Bernie, you're a satellite dish, your remote control on the television screen, but it's the satellite dish has many options. Your mind is like the remote. You pick it, well, you know, what channel you tune into, and the TV is what displays it all. And so in a sense, I'm the Mac- Mechanism by which George can present things to the world. You see, we're tuned into the true Lord's channel at this time, not about how do I make more money, how do I find a nice house, I need a new car, I need, you know, it's how do I help the world, how do I bring the gift of life to the world. And so George Bernie, does... you are
3: indeed God's messenger I really believe that I know yeah. When I mention your name, everybody knows of you Everybody respects you uh, Folks, and if you're enjoying this show today As much as I am, and I have no doubt that you are I want to remind you that we have a great show every day All designed to impact your life Make a positive difference And hear in the wise words of Beverly Nadler our health guru here's to your health Thursdays why you should be listening to this show every day.
1: Listen to me. I have something to say about a wonderful way to start your day. A way to stimulate your mind and increase your energy. Make you feel so good. And guess what? It's free. Weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, hear the Joyce, Barry, and Friends show. You'll find it on the internet, on blog talk, radio. This show is upbeat and fun and very inspirational. It's informative, educational, and very motivational. There's the Coach's Corner, great quotes and news. There are suggestions, perspectives, and advice you can use to enhance your life and improve your health, plus clever, simple ways to increase your wealth. Joyce's perceptions and personality will keep you captivated, and her guests, from many walks of life, will always keep you fascinated. When Joyce and her friends speak, it's like you're in the conversation. This is part of what makes her show so unique, really a sensation. For Joyce's friends are not only the guests you're listening to, They're everyone who is tuning in. Yes, I do mean you. So refer your friends and family. They'll be so pleased to know. And let's make Joyce Barry and Friends the number one internet radio show.
3: And folks, we ask that you partner up with us in having that happen. Simply go to Joyce Barry, B A R R I E, and spell out Joyce Barry and Friends dot com. And on the upper left of the homepage, you'll see my picture. And right under that, if you click on Follow, you will uh, see every show, uh, every guest, all on our homepage. But clicking on Follow, you will know you will get emails, so you'll know when these shows happen. You'll know when Dr. C goes back with us again which I will tell you now October 15th he'll be our guest. November 20th he'll be our guest already scheduled but by clicking on follow you will get an email about the shows, the guests and the topics and going to the homepage when you arrow down and see what you resonate with uh, you just click on it. It's that simple 24-7 every show is archived. Eight years of shows, they're all up there, and then on the upper right in the search bar, if you put in Dr. Bernie Siegel, all his shows will come up, every one of them will be listed, if you put topics in, uh, those shows will come up, so I do ask that you become a follower, follow me on Facebook and on Twitter, because I make a point to list the shows in those mediums as well. Uh, let me give you Bernie Siegel's website. It's w com. That's Bernie com. And I also want to recommend an extraordinary store called Wisdom of the Ages. It's uh, all the spiritual things in that store. I saw it on the website. I only wish I was in Connecticut so I would go there and get those kind of things. That's my kind of store. But it's Wisdom of the Ages and you can call them if you want to order something from them at 860-651- 1172 they have Bernie there uh, giving uh, you know talks there his books are there check out Wisdom of the Ages check out Bernie Siegel MD.com and I, I just ask you the $64,000 question if you agree with me that you'll get a lot from these things when will you get ahead go ahead and do that my question to you is if not now when Joyce, Barry, and friends, the number one worldwide internet radio show. This poem, an original by U.S. Truly, is entitled If Not Now, When. We are giving you the education. We are giving you the information. We are giving you the motivation. We are giving you the inspiration. What you really need to do is to put this into application. Do you want a transformation? You must use your imagination. It might take some perspiration. It's all in the preparation. You must really be sure there is no procrastination. It helps to have a fascination and very strong determination. You want a positive demonstration. Achieve success in the administration. It really is the time. Give each show your consideration. What is your aspiration? What do you need for stimulation to get healthy and off that medication to get wealthy? It's your destination. So make today the day for your participation. If you do, congratulations. If not now, when? And kudos to our friend, Petsy who puts my original poems to music. Great job, Petsy So back to you, Dr. Siegel. As we're starting to wind down here, what is the message you want to leave our audience? And how do you inspire people uh, when they know something is good for them to get off their B-U-T and their B-U-T-T? What is your message?
4: It, you know... You started reading poems, and I just came up with some poems that I wrote about my wife. Um, And let me read you a few so you'll understand. I mean, it's forming that relationship and love. The two of us had everything we needed. And I mean that if we had each other. You know, we could sit in our kitchen and be perfectly happy. You didn't have to take trips, go places, buy things. If we just were together, we were complete. And when we were traveling a lot, there were times Bobby couldn't come. She had something else she wanted to do. And here's one of my poems. And the reason I say write a poem, it doesn't have to rhyme. It's to get out what is within you so it doesn't hurt you by being stored up. It's called Leaving a Part of Me Behind. I Kissed Myself Goodbye This Morning. No, I am not self-centered. I am more than me. I and another are one. Our clay has been sculpted for so long that we are an inseparable creation. My other parts enable and disable, but they are me. So I kiss me goodbye. Next time I will be more passionate. I deserve a good kiss. No peck on the cheek. Wait till I get home to the rest of me. It will feel so good to be whole again and in love with my whole self. And another one, I do not travel alone. Oh, that's
3: awesome, Dr. Siegel. That is really moving and special. That sums up how I perceived your relationship
4: to be. Right. Anyway, one day, you'll be traveling alone, she said. I can't sit so long. I'll stay home. Today I travel alone without a wife or luggage. An empty seat beside me, a bin above, no hand to hold when we rise into the air. I close my eyes, reach out my hand, say my prayer. A smile parts my lips. My empty hand is held. I really felt it. My empty hand is held. My wife has joined me. My prayers are answered. I do not travel alone. Oh, here's one that was funny. <laughs> we had a house full of pets, and the cats would get her up in the morning because they wanted her to make you know, breakfast for them. So they would jump on her chest and you know, push with their paws, and then she'd get up. This is entitled Awaken My Love. It's time to get up, but we are not at home. No living alarm clock. No cats to purr. Pounce on her chest. Awaken her with a cold nose on her chin. I love her, so I do my best. I pounce on her chest, purr loudly, and put my cold nose on her chin. It works. She awakens with a smile to my love. Actually, she woke up and let out a shriek because... We were in a hotel room, and I'm pushing on her chest, you know, with my fingers like a cat, and she opens her eyes thinking she's home in bed and saw me, and there was such a shriek. It was hysterical. Um,
5: That is funny, yeah.
4: You know, but it sure works. And, oh, where, wait a minute. You know, women, when they travel, always have ten tons of things Uh, in case of emergencies, I mean it. And I would always tell people, don't worry if anything happens. My wife has a cure in her pocketbook. Uh, it's been amazing, but this is called a beautiful burden. If you don't go, I'll have a heavy heart. If you do go, I'll have a hernia. That's the subtitle. My, My wife and I often travel together. We are a team sharing fair and foul weather. At times, our travels take us into the air. I carry all the luggage and order her back to spare. I've heard love makes one's burdens lighter, but Bobby's bags would burst if packed any tighter. So I brave the chance of a hernia since she makes my day much brighter. I learned from traveling alone that the load is really no lighter, for a lonely heart weighs more than a bag that can't be packed any tighter. Wow. I
3: I agree with you. That when you write a poem it 's from the heart whether it mine yeah. or rhyme you are don't rhyme, but either way, when you get the feeling, the emotion behind it, all mine are channeled. I don't sit there figuring them out. They come to me like Beverly's poem about the show. She said, Joyce, the whole poem about your show, I love it so much. It came to me. Let me just share one more because it makes the point I want to make to sum this all up, and that is you should really get to Bernie Siegel's md.com or the store wisdom of the ages and purchase you can't go wrong with any of his books any of them every single one is special and my question about that when are you going to get to do it and what i don't want to hear from you is you'll get to it someday here's my poem about that (laughs) Someday, an original poem by yours truly, Joyce Barry. I went to my calendar and took a look. I discovered that someday was not in the book. I looked carefully, for someday I did seek, but only Monday through Sunday appeared on each week. I got really confused this was not funny. I always said someday I'd make very good money. I always said someday I'd get everything done. I always said someday I'd be number one. I always said someday this and someday that. Someday is starting to sound like very old hats. I became very sure that something was wrong. No, someday on my calendar all along, I thought everything I wanted would come to be. It would happen someday. I kept telling me. It was someday, I kept telling you, that all our dreams were sure to come true. How shocking to discover that all along, Someday was not in the calendar. How could I be so wrong? How could I not know that why I was stuck was that someday would never, ever show up? There wasn't a calendar anywhere, none to be found, that had someday in it, it would never come around. I always knew that if something is going to be, I am totally responsible. It's all up to me. I thought of my goals and made a new list. How exciting to realize that someday did not exist. Now I really know without any doubt that Monday through Sunday is in and Sunday is out. So I ask you women, I ask you men, I ask myself, if not right now, when? So, Dr. Siegel, for sure you are God's messenger. I, I know you've Thank you. countless people all over the world. People love you, respect you. Folks, go out and get his book. Go check out that store, Wisdom of the Ages. And I just want to share, any of my poems are available. I'd be honored if you want to put any of them in your books. All
4: right. The... Um
3: yeah, oh, laughter! I'm so I just wanted about to mention more.
4: <laughs> one last thing about laughter that um, I could see the difference in the audience when they laughed, and I began to point that out to people that just look at how you feel now and when my wife is done, because they would sit up straighter, look younger, and for everybody to remember when you laugh, you can't be afraid of life. And I have to share this maybe in closing. Um, My wife came home from shopping and had to run to the bathroom. So I went to the car, carried out all the stuff, the groceries, all this that she had, and I put everything away. And I stood in the kitchen waiting for her to come to the kitchen and say, what a wonderful husband. Thank you for what you did. She came in. She looked around. She said, you don't put tomatoes in the refrigerator. It's like, no thanks, just criticism. So I wrote this poem. It's called Divorce. Tomatoes don't belong in the refrigerator. I did it again. My wife may never forgive me. Our marriage is on the rocks. I snore, put tomatoes in the fridge, walk and eat too fast. The divorce lawyer doesn't know how to help us reach a valid settlement for my cruelty. He suggests we try to work it out and give love a chance. And don't put tomatoes in the fridge. Now, I wrote this poem and brought it to my wife and read it to her. I read his settlement to my wife. She laughs. I love her when she laughs and forget the difficult times. We fire the lawyer and take the tomatoes out of the fridge. But, you know, I was so hurt by her criticizing me. I went and wrote this poem. And then, you know, we both ended up laughing. You don't put tomatoes in the fridge. All right. And I have other poems, too. Should we argue or make love? You know, it's like it it says there are benefits to both uh, we can i can show you how smart and right i am um but you know the bottom line is uh i see the answer to my we- my question is let's make love because then there are no losers if you make love and i think that's how we you know spent our life just loving each other and and uh, this is for other women because my wife was so good at it if I'd get angry, and as I said, I always had a lot of anger stored in me, she'd look at me and say, you're so handsome when you're angry. Now, how can I be angry after I hear that? Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes if that didn't work, she'd say, you're upsetting the pets because if I'm bellowing in the kitchen, all the animals came running in to see what's going on. So, you know, either you're handsome or you're upsetting the pets but, I you know, I used to say to her, "Honey, you haven't resolved my problem at all, but what she did resolve was the anger, and then it was easier to live together and be together for all those years."
3: I just want to quote uh, this from Dr. Siegel. Don't climb the ladder of success only to find it is leaning against the wrong wall. Yeah. Well, you're never leaning against the wrong wall when you tune into Dr. Siegel, when you buy his books, when you visit his website, and when you listen to our show. So, Dr. Siegel, what message do you want to leave our audience with today?
4: It to really find your way of giving love to the world. Don't let other people become a problem. Figure out, how can I give love to the world? And I call it being a love warrior. Because no matter what profession you're in, what you do, you're going to run into people. But if you choose to love them, and even say it out loud to somebody who's driving you crazy, I love you. They don't know what to do with you. And it changes everything. And so I've done it with total strangers who are violent saying, I'm sorry for whatever's going on in your life, but I love you. And they have calmed down and walked away. And um, use love. It's a powerful weapon. And just keep it up. And you'll feel better, too.
3: And from my heart, I love you, Dr. Siegel. You're one of my favorite guests. Thank you. And And here is my special prayer. For all of you folks, may yesterday be the last day, the very last day of your struggles, your suffering, your ill health, your misfortunes, your problems, your pain, your worries, your troubles, your trials and tribulations. May today be the first day. It is the first day of the rest of your life. May it be the beginning of the very best of your life with extraordinary wishes granted and dreams coming true. Make this the most meaningful year of making more money, good health, good luck, good fortune, attracting special people and opportunities, creating magical memories, and manifesting marvelous miracles. That's my special prayer for all of you. Folks, go out and make someone happy today. Go do a random act of kindness. Do pay it forward. We want to make you happy today and every day. And we invite you all to sit Sing along with us, dance along with us, and laugh along with us. And you can do that right here, right now, to the Joyce Barry Mash. Thank you, Dr. Siegel, and thank you folks for listening. Thank you all, and God bless you.
4: Thank you, and you all make a difference.
2: Do the Joyce Barry Mash have a fantastic day and listen to Joyce Barry and friends.
0: The world will change. Drexel University is designed to change with it. Drexel's unique design combines academic rigor with a transformative cooperative education program positioning students and faculty alongside the experts tackling today's most complex issues. By constantly learning and evolving as the world moves forward, Drexel produces visionary leaders equipped to anticipate and address the challenges of the future. This is experiential education. Learn more at drexel.edu slash ambition can't wait the world will change. Drexel University is designed to change with it. Drexel's unique design combines academic rigor with a transformative cooperative education program, positioning students and faculty alongside the experts tackling today's most complex issues. By constantly learning and evolving as the world moves forward, Drexel produces visionary leaders equipped to anticipate and address the challenges of the future. This is experiential education. Learn more at drexel.edu slash can't wait.